All right, live and recording. It is episode 102 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Today, Dave has a headache. I have a less minor headache, but I'm going to solve my headache the old-fashioned way. Good old-fashioned salt. Salt fixes everything. That and more on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Dave didn't know that was the way I was going to go in the intro, but I am not called Lord Salt for nothing. It's true. It's true. Indeed. So I'm Carlos. That's Dave. What's going on, Dave? Uh, yeah. So aside from aforementioned headache, I'm kind of annoyed at Netflix right now. All right. Why are you annoyed at Netflix? Because literally, I think every sort of true crime documentary, if mm. you if you want to put it that way, use that term, uh, that they have out there, they've turned into an episodic series, which is way longer than it ever needs to be. Like, but we need. But Dave, you're talking about true crime, right? Yes. Well, the thing is, we need to. Do you know how many episodes you need? Like, uh, like I can imagine. I don't have Netflix, but if I was to tune on Netflix and I go on the category of true crime, like you know how you got Ken Burns baseball, Ken Burns Civil War. You need like these lengthy things. But like, imagine if Ken Burns had to tackle like the great mysteries of our time, like. How did Mike Trout win three MVPs? Why is Tom Brady considered an athlete? That's like a 500-part series, Dave. But, 500 parts! But here's the thing, Carlos. For the most part, Ken Burns has talent, and his documentaries, <laughs> generally speaking, aren't really longer than they need to be. Like, if you watch his baseball, it it deserves everything that's in there. Yep. I agree it's with that. It's a great documentary. documentary. Yeah, it's, I agree with that. Right? But, but lately, it seems to be like... Why don't we give you four hours when we can give you – or sorry. Yeah, let's give you four hours when you know one will do just fine. Right? I know I brought it up on, on the program before, but there's that documentary. It's, what's it called? The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Okay. There's some, there's some um, like title before it because it maybe is going to become serious. But it, became, it was four episodes to talk about, you know, this this girl that went from Canada who went down to L.A. and stayed in a sketchy hotel and then disappeared, right? And it turns out that uh, sounds like she had a psychotic episode and ended up in the water tank on the roof. All right, as you do. Um, and literally, so so it seems to be like this is the kind of thing. If, if you're into this stuff, not necessarily that one, but any of these sort of documentaries, I, what I would recommend is watch the first episode, and then it will give you, you know, the the background information of the the case or the crime or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then watch the final episode where they wrap things up and tell you what's going on. So I'm I'm also in the process of watching another one right now, which is um, it's called it's called Art, Art Heist or Heist or so, or something like that, mm-hmm. the biggest bank uh, art heist in history. It's about the theft at the Isabella Stewart Garden Museum in 1990 in Boston, uh, which they stole. I think they stole like 13 paintings, something like that. Okay. I'm wondering if this is because I felt like – because I, I they did have Netflix again for a little while because I was watching – I was I think I was watching the Jordan documentary. Mm-hmm. So, I got doc, so I got Netflix back during that time. Is this the heist? Is it like in France or something? No, this is in Boston. Okay. So, so, I, so basically what happens is okay. there's a – the night uh, – like St. Patrick's Day night. Okay, but this so, is a documentary, not like a series, yeah. right? Well, it's a docu-series. Okay. It's a documentary series. No, I'm, like wondering, the, I'm, wondering because, I'm wondering because for a little while they were promoting a, uh, a show that I think was a fictional show though and it was, I think it was called The Heist. That's what I'm wondering. Uh, I no, I don't think it's called the heist. Are you th- are you thinking about money heist or money? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. I thought the yeah. word heist was in it, so maybe yeah. money heist. Maybe money heist is the one I'm thinking of. Okay, okay go so on. Anyway, so what happens is there's there's a like a knock 
on the door of the museum, right? At night, like mm-hmm. 12, something like that, or one something. Yep. The, they say they're cops. We, we're here to investigate a disturbance. The security guard buzzes them in. They, you know, and then basically they take the two security guards hostage, basically, are in the museum for 81 minutes and, and make out with all this artwork. And it's not until the next day that they're, it's actually discovered. Just out of curiosity, you, you meant to say make off with all this artwork, right? What did I say? I think you said make out. And I'm like, oh. that's a very different movie, Dave. No. Oh. That's a very different context of this, film. No making out in this. <laughs> so they leave with the artwork, right? And things, I don't, so I don't know what happened. I'm at episode three. Uh, and I'm watching this because I've been to that museum. And it's it's an interesting museum because it's a woman's house, Isabella Stewart Gardner. And did you make out with any of the artwork? No, I did not. <laughs> when you visited? Uh, but she, everything in there is her personal collection. Okay. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it was her house, a mansion, and everything in there. It's very eccentric because there's, you know, there's a room where it's like, here's some stuff that I got from my my trip to Japan. Mm-hmm. And then there's another room you'll walk into, and oh, there's a Rembrandt. Oh, there's a Raphael. Oh, that you know, all these famous artists. There's another room where she has uh, an autograph collection. So she has George Washington's autograph and other. It just sounds to me like you're basically describing your house. I wish. I, I don't see what the problem is. I wish. Oh, but there's nothing wrong with the collection. It's a great museum, and I highly recommend it. Uh, you know, to anyone who's going to Boston. But the thing is, is I've the second episode. I'm like, why did I watch this? I mean, obviously, I know why I watched it, but it literally told me nothing that was relevant. So it's about an hour long. So, so like, basically, episode two was filler. Episode two was filler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Right. So episode one explains kind of what happens, give you mm-hmm. some of the details, some of the people they were looking at. You know, obviously interviews a lot of the participants in the case, whatnot. Right. And then episode two just kind of continues with that. But I'm like, you really could just cut to the, okay, now it's, did they actually find it or not? Right. And what, ha- or did they figure out what happened? And, you know, that's what we need to know because it's, it was one of those things that was a, they, it, they vanished, the artwork vanished. It was cold for so many years. And I don't know, I haven't Googled it. So people listening may know what happened. I don't because mm-hmm. I, I chose, and maybe I should, and then just save myself the trouble. But I, I'm choosing to watch the thing, and it's like, you know, this is just – right? And and it's – I would bring this up because this is not the only thing on Netflix that I've watched where this has been the case, right? Uh, you know, the, I watched another one called Night Stalker. That's about um, – well, the Night Stalker, that was the name they gave the serial killer in uh, California in the 80s, like L.A. Okay. area, right? And you're, ta- uh, you're I, talking about like, like things where there are episodes that are filler. Well, yeah, I mean that so was like a Kim's, little bit Kim's better. Convenience? No, Kim's, but Kim's Convenience is. A, you know what? There's probably episodes of Kim's Convenience that are filler. But the point is, Kim's Convenience is an episodic series. The, the, the important thing, Dave, is that there is no there is no topic that you can bring up that I can't find an angle to get something. If I, True. I, I I've got I, at a certain point, we have to we have to collectively as a people just kind of appreciate the skill of my trolling. Like, it's actually not easy to find a link, find a way to angle it in, because I don't know what you're going to say, and it's yet true. I still find it. It's true. From out of nowhere. But, yeah, I was just very dis- – I'm still very disappointed, and obviously I'm going to want to find out what happens one right. way or the other. But mm-hmm. it's like, guys, like, especially it's a Netflix thing, so – you know, so this, like, is a, this is Netflix, Netflix production. Somehow then? get more money from you because you, there's more episodes. Is if this a Netflix, Netflix production though? Yeah, okay. I think so. I wonder if let, I know the uh, Night let, let me throw, was, let me throw and a theory. The other one was. Let me let me throw a theory. All right. I wonder if 
it's a situation similar to what happens in corporate in the corporate world where you have X budget. And theoretically, you want to stay under budget. That's normal. That's what you want to do. It's a good thing. But if you go too far under budget, then they start thinking, oh, well, then you don't really need that much money to do X, Y, Z. So, so you almost have to spend to justify so that you don't hurt your budget long term. You're like, yep. yeah, it turns out we were able to do this cheaper and we could have made it shorter. It wasn't necessary. But then I asked you for a million and I only used 750000 so then if I hand you back the 250000 you're going to be like, okay, so the next time you ask for a million, I should probably just give you 750000 But what if you actually need a million? Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense. There's a theory. That's I'm just fair. throwing it out there. I'm just because, – Because let me put it this way. All right? So first episode, right, we've got the heist. They explain that. They explain what's going on in Boston. They explain the museum. They explain the people who are there and, you know, what and – and then they also explain the specific pieces of art they took and kind of what they mean. Right? That all makes sense. Second episode, there's a large portion where they decide this could be, it could have been related to the IRA and they might be using the, the artwork to uh, use it to sell and then buy arms for the IRA. All right? Mm-hmm. So let's go talk to the IRA. The IRA guy, this is bullshit. I don't even know why you're talking to me about this. Great. Thanks for that 20 minutes that I just watched about this, which was absolutely pointless. That you Literally, that's the biggest definition of filler you just put in this. It's crap. It's crap. And then, But then it's like, but let's not let's talk about the Italian mob. Maybe it was the Italian mob in Boston. And it's like, who fucking get Man, lately, honestly, Carlos, my life has been where is the sign? I just want the who cares sign. You know what? I know no one can see me. I know Netflix doesn't care, but I just want to hold up the sign while I'm watching this documentary where well, they're talking about the IRA and the IRA, the guy from the IRA is like, I don't even know why you're talking to me. Dave, Great. Dave would it help you? Um, I don't know if it's still there, but you know, when we when we pass the the era of the pandemic, um, I can always see if the signs if the sign shop's still there. Would you like me to make you one of the signs? Maybe Carlos, that that might be where my life is headed. Because then, because then you can have because it, you could make your own. But it's not the same. It's no, true. no, no. I am the one who can bestow upon the science powers. I, I think that's fair, I, right? It does not mean what it should mean without Carl Sackler. Basically, in the sense, I'm the Pope. I have to christen it. Otherwise, it's not real. Otherwise, yeah. you, otherwise, you just got a piece of phone cord. I don't care. I don't care what you have. It's true. You, actually, you have nothing. You have nothing. It's very true. The Who Cares sign has a proud lineage, Dave. You know this. It did not start off as a phone course. I started off as a piece of paper where I was sending you a very clear message. And then it became what it became. A legend, an icon. It's true. I wonder if this thing is still there. What? The 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 shop. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious. It was in the university it was right in the university uh it was in the university center. Uh it was just off the side. Uh so been a long time, but I can always check. You never know. But obviously, right now, I don't think they'd be doing too much business. But um, anyway, worth checking out. So fair enough. Anything else you want to add in, or and I can uh, share a little story. Uh, please share. Right. So uh, as I said, I was doing. Um, so obviously, I do my regular YouTube channel where I do my sports card stuff, and that's usually what I did. So on Friday night, uh, I did a live stream, and in the course of it, uh, there were a couple of stories related to that. I gave one Dave already just before we started recording, but let me give you this one, which is a little different. In the course of the conversation, we were chatting with one of the people that I invited in uh, who's from Philadelphia. Uh, so we were talking a little bit about the basketballs because uh, he's more into that world. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so it's, it's sometimes good to have a little variety because it was myself and another hockey guy. Uh, I'm, I'm a hockey 
hockey, baseball guy, so obviously I've got the world of baseball as well. But uh, basketball is not our bag, so it was good. I, I thought it made it for a good conversation because for some of the folks in the chat that know a little basketball, I go, oh, cool, we're going to talk some basketball today. I go, yeah, if I've got somebody who can talk the game, let's do it. I, I'm more than happy to. I'm flexible yeah. that way. So, so I said, okay, let's talk about it. And when we were chatting about it a little bit, so I said to I, I was uh, using the example to make a point because we're talking sports cards, but part of that is talking about different cards and things. But we're also talking about the market. We're talking about things because right now sports cards are a little bit down. Prices are depressed on a lot of players. And the basketball market has been one of the most highly volatile. Sport, the basketball card market is the, is the sports card equivalent of crypto right now. So it's like you, you can buy something and it might quintuple in a week and it might drop 95%. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. the, the, the spikes are crazy. So I was chatting with him a little bit about that. And we were talking about opportunities because when things are volatile, there are opportunities just as they are in any market of any kind. And specifically what I was referring to is I said um, that I had done a video earlier on in the channel uh, recently that was very well received. And all I was doing was explaining my methodology. My methodology was just that I like to put my purchases into one of four buckets. I'm not going to reiterate the whole thing, but the point that I'm getting at is that all the buckets were dependent upon how risky it is. When I'm talking personal collection, it's irrelevant because it's personal collection. I'm not worried about the value. If it spikes up, it spikes down. That's not, that's not what I'm buying it for. But the other three are dependent on the different – because the, in theory, in those three buckets – there's always the possibility I could flip it down the road for another card or for something else or whatever. The options available to me. Right. So the risk factors are important. The riskier something is, the more careful I have to be with the price I pay. It's like any other investment of any kind. If you, it's a stock, it's high, you, you're going to buy a penny stock, you better pay a penny, so to speak. You don't want to yeah. be paying hundreds of dollars for a penny stock because it could just drop like a stone tomorrow and you're out all that money. Right. You, you want to minimize your risk, but if it turns out for you, I called that most volatile category. I called it lottery tickets because you can lose 100%. But if you happen to hit, it's like hitting the jackpot because right. the gain can be tremendous. But you got to make sure your risk, your your value that you're putting into it initially is low. Mm -hmm. So what I was getting at is one of my favorite categories for this is reclamation projects. Because reclamation projects are maybe players who had promise or who people thought highly of at one point. And are now sitting on, they spent a lot of money on this, and now they're so disappointed that they're basically just dumping it. And as they dump it, it basically snowballs, and the price just keeps tumbling down, 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 down. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, and it's like, okay. Now, you're, But if you're sitting there as a buyer, you're like, if I can time this well, I could buy at pretty much a bargain basement price. Mm -hmm. The good news there is, if I lose, what's the worst that happens? I lose a little bit of money. Not a big deal. But I'm taking a stab in the dark that if they can figure out and fix whatever the problem is that prevented them from meeting their potential, then it becomes a reclamation project. Then your gain is huge because you mm -hmm. got to buy in real low and you could potentially get to sell high. Yep, that, for sure. That's, that's the best. So I had given previously in football, I use Sam Darnold's example because we don't know what he's going to do in Carolina. Yeah. But it's hard to do worse than he did in the Jets. So it's an op it's a potential opportunity. You never know. But since he's a basketball guy and he's from Philadelphia, I had a question for him. I said, I said, okay, because I was giving an example. I said, okay, let's use a real example. So I said, okay, who's the guy who's not anybody's favorite in Philadelphia right now for the 76ers? And he goes, Ben Simmons. Yes, indeed. So I said to so I said to them and to the people that were watching, I said, look, I'm not going to give you advice because I don't give picks on here. Because yeah. then if you because if I give picks, then you're gonna, then later on you're going to come crying to me if it doesn't work out. I'm not interested in dealing with that. 
But what I can do is I can give you methodology, I can give you rationale, and I can explain to you what I'm thinking. And what I'm thinking is this. I'm not a basketball guy at all, by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But when I saw how angry people in Philadelphia are with Ben Simmons, when I saw people in Philadelphia burning Ben Simmons' jerseys, which stuff like that happens, but he got a lot, he's got a lot of hate right now. It's going to be really yeah. hard to bring him back. And his problem seems to be almost purely psychological. He turned down a dunk to pass the ball during one of those games. I think it was the last game. I think it was game seven. He turned down a dunk and made a pass when yeah. he was right in the lane about to dunk. Like, all he has to do is dunk. It's two points. Just take your two points. Yeah, he, that's he's not, he's not what you want to be doing. He's 6'10". And I think, and I think the guy defending him was like, was like six feet. Like you got a foot on the guy, like dunk over his head. You're done. So that seems psychological to me. That seems like it's in your head. So at that point, maybe the best thing for this guy, get away from Philadelphia, go somewhere else. And hopefully you can find somebody who can get, who can help you get it straightened out. Yeah. But if, but if that's the case, his other skills are there. He's got other skills. And if he can bring it together and actually be useful on offense, if he can be useful on offense in any way, shape, or form, that's a huge. That would be a huge rebound. So there's a lot of cards that of his that were very expensive at one point that have been dropping like a stone. And my point that I made is, uh, and I made the joke on the on the on the live stream, as I said, guys, I'm not a basketball guy, but I'll tell you this: if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these Ben Simmons prices dropping, 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 I would I would probably I'm I'm. I'm doing some research into Ben Simmons because I'm like, okay, so what are some decent cards that he's got? And I'm sitting there watching these prices and I go, if, if somehow I can see a decent card and the price hits a level at which I'm comfortable, it's like, uh, you know, the, uh, the emoji with the two eyes that are like looking sideways. Yeah. That's me. We're looking at these Ben Simmons cards. If that price hits a certain threshold, I have to figure out exactly what it is. I need to do my research, but if I find it, I'd be willing to take a flyer on it, grab it, throw it in the box for six months and let's see what happens. I'll forget about it. And then if I wake up and Ben Simmons recovers, I can go to that box and, oh, my God. Oh, hey, I found a gold brick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if you buy it for a cheap enough price, you're not worried about it. I'm not going to sweat it. Worst case scenario, it's a good story. Hey, Dave, remember when I bought that Ben Simmons card? That was dumb. <laughs> but at least it's a good story. Like, whatever. But Yeah. But the, if the price is low enough, you can have a chuckle about it. That's how that works. But if you pay top dollar, well, then your life sucks. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta be careful about that. I mean, or you, Darnold. It's a shiny one too. I like that it one. It is. It is nice. I actually pulled a copy of this originally in a box back in 2018, and I sold it after a big Monday Night Football game for um, it was almost two hundred dollars. And then I bought this one back for less than sixty. Nice. Buy high. Sorry. Buy low. Sell high, and yep. then buy again lower. Hey, Woo. it worked out for you. Yeah. So worst case, so I said, worst case scenario, this is kind of a nostalgia play because I actually pulled this card originally. So I have a copy again. And on my YouTube channel, my first sports card video was me pulling this from a box. Cool. So there you go. Back in 2018, I did a box of Unparalleled. This is 2018 Unparalleled Football. And I pulled a card almost identical to this one. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So I go, hey, full circle. Like I said, yeah, worst, sure. case, worst case scenario, it's a good story. I'll keep the card. It's fine. But if it turns out if it's if he if he recovers and plays well in Carolina, profit. Yeah, it could right, and then you could sell it again for even more. Yep, I feel I feel no issue with this plan. None at all. Yeah, dude. 
But these are the lessons. Everything coming up, Carlos, right? But these are the lessons, man. Sometimes you got to try, but sometimes you got to give it a shot. The thing is, nothing ventured, nothing gained, because there's a lot of folks who are too timid to try. It's like, well, guys, if you don't take any risk at all, well, then it's going to be really difficult to succeed because you're really not trying anything. It's like, then you're going to chug along. It's going to be very difficult to win anything here if you're not going to play. Beautiful. So I think that's uh, that's the key one. Otherwise, I think things have been going fairly well, which is always enjoyable. Um, just looking here through everything else. I think that's it for me. I think we've got a couple of topics, though, from your list. So why don't we hit on those? Well, shall we talk about Lake Canadian? I suppose if we must. Right? So I honestly think... I, I don't know. This is what I th- I want you to tell me, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Should I should I be hopeful at all? Or should I expect, you know, I know we talked a little about this last week, but or midweek, but should I expect Dallas circa last year? What should I expect from this team in the Stanley Cup final, Carlos? Because I want to go crazy because holy crap, they're in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1993 mm-hmm. and have looked pretty good. You know, not the most attractive brand of hockey, but it's effective. Okay, so I, I, I will make the pitch. I will make the pitch for, for your garbage team. So here's the deal. There's good news here. They're about 80 times better than Dallas last year. And predominantly, that is because they actually have a goaltender. So, okay, who, so who, who plays goal professionally. All right. Who so that, that's a step in the right direction. Who was the goaltender uh, for Dallas last year? Jesus. It was... Um, you know, I, off the top of your head. I remember the name. It was a bit of an unusual name. Okay, I will, I'll, look I will. It, I'll look it up and see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, but you uh, continue, please. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the point is, um, basically, having a professional goaltender is already a step in the right direction. Because then at least you give yourself a chance. The other piece that I think is going to be useful, potentially, potentially, is quite simply this. And it is that... When the way this team plays is kind of a grinding style, it's not an Sorry, exciting style. Was it Kubitin? Yeah, that's right. I, I knew I, I wasn't going to be able to pronounce the name on the first try, but that's my point. Are you getting my point now? Yeah. So Ben Bishop was injured, right? Yeah, Ben Bishop was injured. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So are you getting my point? I'm getting your point. Yeah. So it's like normally, and he was a good story and he played well, all things considered, but he's kind of a no name guy. Like it was just. It, it came together well, but it was almost but the that that Stanley Cup Finals team was basically put together by pixie dust, uh, Lucky Charms, duct tape, and Elmer's glue. Like, there's nothing here that seems substantive that is going to hold this thing together. But it's like, well, we'll just keep choking along. That's why I said every single round was basically an upset. So they 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 basically ran the table, but at the end of the day, their captain can't score anymore. Tyler Sagan is probably their best offensive weapon, and he was struggling. They basically could, basically in the Stanley Cup final, the Dallas Stars couldn't score and couldn't goal ten. Other than that, they were great. Yeah. So basically, as long as you can do one of these two things, you're already a little bit further ahead, and you're playing basically you're playing basically the same Tampa team. So you've got that going for you. Now, I believe if memory serves me, I could be mistaken. Isn't Tampa like way over the cap? I don't know. Didn't they? I believe they used like a loophole. Um, I will see here. Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't so, know. What does that have to do with the Stanley Cup final, though? I will get to that in a second, Dave. I'll right. get to that in a second. So the thing is, uh, here we so go. So Dallas won, Dallas won two games, though. They did. No, like, listen, they were scrappy. They did. They they were very scrappy. 4-1-3-2. They, they, 
Yeah, so here it is. So you Tampa know, Bay actually overtime. Yeah, so Tampa Bay has actually used a loophole to circumvent the salary cap, which is to say under normal circumstances, you would be you would basically be a basically the players they have on the roster, they shouldn't be able to have all the players they have on the roster. Okay. Including some very high-priced players because they're not a couple of bucks over the cap. Get it? Are you getting my point? So they they're cheating. Uh, they're technically not because the loophole exists that basically right. a lot, if they were in the regular season right now, they would be getting hit with a huge fine, but there is no salary cap in the playoffs, but leading into it, there was a team injured reserve. So it's a lot, basically the rules were in place that say like, Hey, yeah, there's exemptions. There's this, that, and the other thing, but you're basically fielding a squad that no other team could field under normal circumstances. Ah, uh, I see. So you do have a little bit of an advantage. You still have to win the games, but you do have a little bit of an edge that the other teams are not beneficiary to. So that's kind of the thing. Now, from a karma standpoint, the hockey gods may frown upon that and give uh, and give your team. So that's the second reason you may have. Again, we got we got to we got to look at tangible and intangible. We got to look a little bit of both. Um, so yeah, if if the hockey gods like some karma, that might be that might work in favor of your team who did it the old fashioned way, just being crummy and, and struggling your way through and just yeah. finding ways to win. Uh, that is a tradition. Sometimes there's always this Cinderella team that fights its way uh, and punches above its weight. Yeah. So right now that's their position. Um, and Tampa is already a defending champion. And obviously that means they had to go through the grind twice. That's a potential advantage. Some wear and tear on some of these players who had to now do the gauntlet twice. It's harder to win the second time. That's an important, yeah. uh, that's an important critical consideration. When Dallas won in 98, 99, they had to fight scrap and scratch and claw. They got back to the Stanley Cup Finals the year after against New Jersey, who was very formidable. It's very hard to win the second one. Yeah. So I should know from the experience of my team in the pre-HD era. But the point is that it's hard. It's harder to do that. So that's a possibility, something you can bear in mind as well. And the other piece uh, that you've kind of got to consider is that um, there's a really good chance that um, I'm just trying to think of the best way to word this. Tampa Bay came off a game seven against the Islanders. The Islanders don't exactly have full firepower. So I guess the question that you should be asking yourself is where do you rank the Canadians compared to the Islanders? That's really what you should be asking yourself because the Islanders took them to seven and it went, took to overtime in game seven. Tampa kind of had to fight them pretty hard to win. Um, And I'd argue that your goaltending situation is better than the Islanders. And if you're playing a bunch of overtimes, really goaltending could be the difference. You just got to steal one. So I'm not here. So I'm not going to suggest the Canadians are going to sweep in four or anything of that nuts. But if you go to six or seven games and your goaltending's better, I like your chances. Yeah, fair enough. That's what you're looking for. My my opinion is you're looking for a deep series. You're looking for you actually want to drag Tampa into dark into deep water. You you want you want to force it because the likelihood, the chances of the Canadians sweeping them in four is almost nothing. But the longer the series goes the underdog gets gets a fighting chance and all of a sudden your puncher's chance comes all the way back into play and then your goaltending could carry you through. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I so, do. Th- so that's the case. So that's the case. The Canadians don't have a terrible case. I, I would love to just mock your team mercilessly and-, and I will go back to doing so when the time is right. But I'm saying you do have a reasonable puncher's chance. More than reasonable. Okay. So it's not as insulting. So you may be well on your way to celebrating with Fincher Montreal Canadian fans at the ride in Vancouver. Nice. Got to get it in. For now, sure, man. Like I said, I'm I'm not completely on my game, Dave, but I'm not off my game. This is true, Carlos. Now, the question is, Dave, time for some degenerate gambling. 
So here's the question. Now, here's the question I have for you. Okay. The the case for Tampa is everything the opposite of what you said. They do have a ton of talent. They probably have too much talent on paper (laughs) compared to the cap, but they have tons of talent. Let's not question it. And they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, so that's worth something. You know, we got to respect it. Until somebody knocks them off, they're still the defending champions. Yep. So anyway, and they're continuing the great dynasty of Tampa teams. Yeah, let's not talk about that. (sighs) Anyway. Okay, so here's the deal. So the, for the series, we have uh, we have the money line odds for the series. Is the Canadians are three and a quarter to one odds, which is not horrific. It's not bad. Uh, the Lightning are one point three six to one odds. Um, okay. So here's where I find myself in a quandary. I like me some three and a quarter to one odds, Dave. I like that's pretty good. Three and a quarter mm-hmm. to one, I like that. So that's, that's strong. Um, now what I'm wondering is because this uh, this playoff year. I've actually done well winning some basketball wagers. I picked the Clippers when they were down two games to nothing in the previous series, and they came back to win, and I almost got a three or four to one odds on that one. All right. So I've been I've been doing all right on some of these picks. Uh, the problem I have is this: traditionally, I go with I go with the hedge bet, but I don't have a horse in this race. Right. Um, if your team loses, I will laugh. But if your team wins, then I get revenge against the Lightning. So I'm torn, Dave. I, f- I, that's, I think that's a fair way to be torn, though. Like It's like, ooh. Like, I could theoretically find a, a silver lining either way. I do like the three and a quarter to one odds. 1.36 might be a little low. Hmm. And the thing is, I can't even call it a, a jinx pick because the thing is, I've actually performed pretty well in this playoff overall between the hockey and the, and the basketball. So it's right. like, my chances are pretty much no better or worse picking one over the other. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, you can either curse me or praise me later. We're going with Les Canadiens, 3.25 to 1. Oh, boy, Carlos. Yerp. Live with it. Deal with it. Well, that's, that's good odds, man. You can't you can't not say that, right? Anytime I'm getting comfortably over 2 to 1 odds, I like it. And I do think you have the better goaltending. That is a real thing. I think so, too. So that's always what I look for. In 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 hockey, I'm looking for the better goaltending. That's that's what I seek. So we'll do we'll do fifty five on that. There you go. All right. Done. And we'll see how that turns out. I'd love to win because I can cash out with more crypto. Woo! I know. Did you I tell you I have crypto. did I tell you did I tell you I have Doge? Yeah, uh, you did tell me that I believe. Okay. Yes. Okay. Actually, today I was uh, today I was uh, topping up the thing because uh, the price have stayed pretty stable. I picked up some more, but then I grabbed a, about five more bucks of Doge, and I was like, hey, "What the heck?" <laughs> it just amuses me. Oh my! <sighs> hey, it could be worse. I could be the Dogecoin millionaire. Have you heard about this guy? No. Ooh, let me tell you the story about the Dogecoin All right, millionaire. Please do. So let's have a little fun here. Right. I will. I will also include. Refer- I will have images for reference. Also, as you're preparing to tell the story, uh, yes. quick note: the sign store still exists. Awesome. Whether it will exist, you know, in a couple of months from now, who knows? But as of right now, it still exists. I demand that this stay exactly where it is because that's what we need. All right, hold on. That and more Doge. Yep. Here we go. Love it. All right, so I'm going to share with you the Dogecoin Millionaire and have some fun with this. Okay. Okay, so on the Instagram page, Pro the Doge, here is the the Dogecoin Millionaire. Now, quickly, I'm going to go here. Actually, let, let me do this. I can do go to post. I think this works. Ah, oh, beautiful. Fantastic. Okay, so here's on his uh, on his Instagram. All right, all right. I can see it. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, 
Uh, basically, this is an article written about him that he posted on, and it says here, right here, he's not a Dogecoin millionaire because he didn't sell. <laughs> uh, now you see why I wanted to bring this up. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So let so me explain. He, let he me explain. At one point let me explain. Was a Dogecoin millionaire? Let, let me explain. Let All me explain. Right. Okay. So here's the deal with this guy. Um, and I may get a couple of details wrong, but for the most part, I'm pretty close. So allow me to explain. So this is a guy who works um, in L.A., and I think he works in um, – and I think he does some uh, producing for music. He's not like a rich guy, but he's not – but he, you know, he does – he works and does some stuff. But what he decided to do for whatever reason, something, something compelled him, and he decided – he goes, all right, I'm going to go all in on this Doge thing. And what he did is he he t I guess he took out a line of credit from what I understand, and he took out a line of credit not for like five bucks or ten bucks. Like I've got like ten or twenty bucks in Doge, and maybe fifteen, something like that. Okay. Like small potatoes, whatever. I I, I top up my Starbucks card for iced coffees more than that, so <laughs> relatively small potatoes. Again, low, high volatility, low. Yep. Um, yep. So anyway, so I said, okay, whatever. But he decided to, he, you know, similarly, a uh, similar concept to what I just said, um, he took out $180,000 worth of uh, line of credits. Okay. And then threw it all into Doge. Now, at the time, Doge was only a couple of cents, relatively small. So as Doge rose and Elon Musk started tweeting about Doge and all this stuff, it went up and up and up. And at its apex... Um, his holdings, because I think he had 3.9 million Doge. Okay. So at its apex, um, his holdings were right about $3 million. All right. And at that point, like, he is a Dogecoin multimillionaire, technically. Right. Now, here's so if the he thing. sold it all, multimillionaire. Yeah. yeah, but here's the thing. So – you don't have to sell it all. In this situation, my advocacy would actually be not to sell it all. My advocacy, though, would be to take some profit. Take profit. Because then you're, then you're basically free rolling. If you take a certain amount of profit, if it continues to go up subsequently, then you can still capitalize on that as well. So and if it goes it, down, you you're you're, you're still laughing because you made the money. Yeah. So you're right. That can give you. That's the best of both worlds. Give yeah, you put sure. yourself in a position to be like, let, let me. I've already won this game. Let me ensure my victory. Now it's just a matter of let me ensure my victory and maybe even more glory to come. But let's let's ensure the victory right now. Um, so basically, yeah. And part of it is that he became no, you know, he became known and uh, his popularity grew and stuff. And uh, he started making the rounds on different social medias as well as uh, YouTube channels. Now, one of the uh, prominent financial YouTubers, Stephen Graham, interviewed him uh, as part of a thing because obviously his story was very interesting. Somebody went crazy on one on one uh, cryptocurrency and made multi-millions technically on paper. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he was talking to him about it, listened to his whole story and he goes, well, that's amazing. And Stephen Graham is a guy who does a lot of clickbaity titles and stuff and whatever, but he also, uh, part of his brand is that he, he'll, he'll at least talk reasonably in terms of advice. He goes, um, so why don't you sell some of it? Because he's just like, well, it seems to me that why don't you just, you know, at this point you won. Why don't you just sell some of it? Yeah, and and the guy told him he goes, oh well, I think it's going to get up to a point where I I want to I want to sell it out when my holdings are at ten million. Now, Stephen Graham is a guy who has uh, who used to who started off in real estate, mm -hmm. built a YouTube channel on finance on finances and financial literacy and different stuff, and he still he still does some stuff with real estate, but he also talks about a bunch of other topics and things. At this point, he's got like four or five million subscribers on YouTube, so he's become huge. 
Okay. And he's very and he's known for being very transparent about the money because it it helps his brand. He's like, no, I'll tell you how much I make on this YouTube channel and my incendiary uh, properties and stuff. So he did, he did a video last year where he goes, all right, so the YouTube channel, between all the money that I made with this, AdSense, sponsorships, this, that, and the other thing, all of, whatever, all of it, mm-hmm. uh, last year he made almost $4 million on all of it. Okay. So Stephen Graham is a multimillionaire. Yep. With properties and things and whatever. So he can speak to what it's like to be a multimillionaire. So, he, so basically at that point he goes like, look, I'm a multimillionaire. I'm paraphrasing, but he goes, I'm a multimillionaire. And the difference between two or three million and five or six or 10 million, you're not going to notice because you're at the, at the time you're, if you're poor and you go and you get a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, it's life changing. Oh my God, whatever. But when you've already got two or three million going to five or 10 million right. is not going to fundamentally change your life. You're yeah. not going to notice the difference. Gotcha. You may as well just take right now. You've already, he basically said like, you've already won the game. You got here. Nobody would have expected it, but here you are. Yeah. It's, it seems to me it's time to take the win. Which would make sense. Yeah. But he didn't. It, he didn't. But it was good advice. Like he, he goes, but it was advice from a perspective of somebody who has enough money to be able to tell you the difference between three million and five million. Because at one point he didn't have five or 10 million. At one point he was building up his real estate practice and getting out. But he goes, I, I've gone through that part. And when you get to your first million, it is life changing. When you get to a couple million, still pretty life changing. But they go once you're in the multi millions, you're just keeping not score. Quite the same. Not you're just keeping score. Same. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it's a, another million here or there is not going to fundamentally change your life. Yeah, which is valid. I think that's reasonable life advice. At that point, trying to squeeze a little extra out of this thing, it's like, why? What for? You're already set. So anyway, he didn't take the advice. Uh, I think he's uh, he has compensated with it a little bit because he because he's got uh, his social medias and everything and he he sells Dogecoin Millionaire merch, but of course he's but now he's gets to, but now he gets to include, he gets to show articles like stuff like that. he's not a Dogecoin millionaire because he didn't sell, <laughs> because Dogecoin took a nosedive after Saturday Night Live because Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live, right? And a lot of people thought that he would do a bunch of stuff related to it and it would surge it up and it's like no actually a bunch of people who had a bunch of Doge go okay this is the apex I'm selling. Vroom. <laughs> Uh, it's like, you didn't think this one through very well, did you? Yeah. you? You know what the funny part is? And like, uh, he to this day publicly has not acknowledged the true idiocy of what he did. Because, to my point, I would make you the argument that there is a third play here. A lot of people are like, oh, sell everything. Reasonable people are like, well, take some profit and sell some. Uh-huh. Yes. But here's a third play that plays into that second option as well. Okay, look, you believe in Dogecoin. Awesome. Proposal. Sell some of it prior to the SNL appearance a reasonable amount so that you can take your win right mm-hmm. turns out it sunk it like a stone well why don't you go buy back the doge you just had at a, a fraction of the price you still took your profit and you got your doge back so if it recovers at any point you didn't lose anything yeah and you basically walked away with free cash true Smaller scale, but same principle. Like yeah. it goes full. Yeah. It's the same principle. I sold this for more than I bought it back for later. Yeah. And if I sell it again, then I'm double dipping. I am the genius man. Uh, it's possible. The point. Sam, Sam Darnold, the key to Carlos's millions. What 
doesn't matter though. Like, here's the thing. Even if this damn thing goes to zero dollars and zero cents, I already sold it the first time for more for multiple times what I bought this for. I already took the profit. So as far as I'm concerned, this is a free card. It's true. So it's like, if something comes of it, awesome. If nothing comes of it, whatever. You want to be in that position. That's a beautiful place to be, Dave. It's true, man. If you really don't give a crap, it's like, well, yeah, if it goes up, that's awesome. If it doesn't, whatever. That's the good place. That's where you're in the Carlos zone of almost no stress in life. Why would I be stressed? If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it works, well, Mega Mansion. Let's go. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, but that's the way you want to be. That's why I say, like, uh, I get the idea. It's basically become his brand that he's too stubborn to sell. Right. But it's like, no, realistically, though, like, it's there was a middle ground there where there was a win-win. There was a win-win to be had because he still could have held on to a good chunk of it, made a beautiful profit, beautiful profit. And then, uh, you know what? You believe in it? Fine. Go buy some back when it's cheap. Yeah. And if win, it win. ever goes up, I mean, it's, you know, it's the, the, then you win pretty twice. much bottomed out, right? Then you win twice. Imagine winning twice on the same lottery ticket. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That sounds good to me. Oh, Dogecoin Millionaire. That is the that is the uh, the sad tale of the Dogecoin Millionaire. It, to be continued. To be continued. Obviously, the story isn't fully over. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. <sighs> I just, I want to just facepalm for that, Carlos, you know? But it's a good cautionary tale, Dave. That's why I needed to make sure I shared the story. And I appreciate it. I, and I hope our listeners do too. Yes. The point of the, the moral of that story is sometimes when you win, take your win. Take it in stride. Don't try to squeeze for a couple extra cents. Just don't do it. It's not Fact. worth it. It's not worth it. So yes. Uh, quickly, I'll touch on uh, one thing as well. Uh, in the vein of the card thing, still holding strong on some of my Vladimir Guerrero Juniors. I'm trying to figure out when I want to. I do want to sell a couple more for sure. But uh, our buddy here has hit his 26th home run of the year. Yeah. And I still got stacks, Dave. Stacks. He's killing it. I got it right all now. the Vladdies. All the he Vladdies. He's killing it. Yep. Limited numbered. I showed him the I showed him the gold one earlier. There's a beauty pro purple. Look at it. Nice. Some good stuff, man. I like it. I'm definitely gonna keep some. Like I said before, in the vein of what I just said, oddly consistency seems to work. Uh, I'm consistent on this point. I intend to keep some of them, but I'm going to be a little bit selective. I'm going to be like, okay, I don't need all of this. Some of it's good. I'll take some and I'll cash out some. And some, if he keeps playing well, I'll still have some in my back pocket. Take the win. Yeah, for sure. Indeed. So, yep, 26 home runs, uh, leading the league, leading the league in RBIs, and still hitting right around 340. Not bad. I like it. I like it. Yep. Anyway, all right. So we talked about Les Canadiens. I laid out the case. I jinxed your team for all time. What else we got? I really hope not. I really hope not, Carlos. Hey, listen. I made the case why you guys shouldn't do this. Do not screw it up. All right. So do you have anything else you want to talk about before? Because I think we got I, the wrestling topics. I think we're good. Do you, so you want to go with the wrestling then? Uh, we Well, what was your list this time? Oh, um, well, we don't have. All right. Pick one. Will, pick one. Let's put it this pick way. Pick one list. or the other. Pick one or the other. Your choice. The list or the, the wrestling? I'm saying pick one or the other. Your choice. Let's go wrestling, man. All right. Go for it. So, no, you told me you wanted to talk about wrestling. Okay. So, no. I and the latest, the latest AEW. Well, that's why I was asking if you'd seen it. Uh, so, yeah, I had, I've seen I've seen the past. I've obviously not watched this week's because it's on right now. Mm-hmm. But I have watched the previous two weeks. The yeah, whole so, thing. Yeah. So, I think. Um, Although, I really hate the picture in picture. 
yeah when they do the ads like i really i really hate that and it makes me kind of not i sometimes i just fast forward through it to be honest because i just hate watching it that way i don't watch the fiction picture part um so what i'll say is this i do i do like what they're doing i like i'm i'm appreciating the direction it's going obviously it's not perfect for the reasons we've talked about in the past but what i'm liking what i do enjoy is that it does very much still storyline wise everything does continue to build to the bigger shows which is always good i'm always a big fan of that uh, I think what's going to be, I'm I'm glad that we're slowly approaching the end because once they start getting back, obviously, I believe tonight is a live show, mm-hmm. but it I is. think, but we're, as we're creeping into July, they're going to start hitting uh, live shows on the road as well. Yes, that is true. Because once they get into that, then I think we're going to start hitting the accelerator. So, right. I think this is still the end of cruise control, trying to wind our way back because being preempted for the basketball playoffs all the time kind of messes up with the scheduling. Yeah. Which is good. Why they got on TBS. Uh, in the future, so that's yeah. not going to happen. What's 2022? That's happening. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Uh, so I'm encouraged uh, that that process is going because during that downtime, you knew stuff like that was going to happen, and um, I think they've played it about as well as they could because you there's no point in going full out to try to do everything you can do um, when less people are watching just because yeah. of your time slot. Uh, so don't kill yourselves trying to impress the smaller, shrunken down version of the audience. So we'll see. We'll definitely see how that goes. So from the AW perspective, I think it's they're kind of on cruise control a little bit as well, which I understand. But so steady as she goes, I like that. Um, I'm still waiting on the freaking. Uh, I want the cards, Dave. I want the AW cards because they're. I think the upper deck. I want the AW video game, which is which is happening. It is, uh, but it's going to be it tricky. Looks, it looks pretty decent so far from what I've seen. It looks like it's for sure going to be better than the last game that WWE put out. That's for oh, sure. That's a low bar to hit. Well, sometimes I, like, I get it, but at the same time, right? And it's the same with any sports game. Like, I get why you mm-hmm. put, put out a game every year, right? Mm-hmm. Money being the, the, the main reason, right? Because you could also put a game out every few years and just update the rosters. You could even just pay to update the rosters if they wanted to do it that way, but no, that's why they do it. And you know, the cover athlete is a is a big deal too. But you know, you get to a point where how much different is this game versus last game? It right? is true. It, it, you're basically what you're describing though is it's basically the Madden problem. Yeah, yeah. Because when a game becomes annual, um, you end up with that problem. Now, I do understand it to 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 get to cover the other side as well. I do understand it from the perspective of it does make it easier when you have built a game engine and you can basically build off of the same foundation mm-hmm. and just move forward from there. Because if you're using the same game engine, it's not you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Imagine having to build a completely fresh game engine from scratch. Yeah. That's not very practical. But if you've got a decent game engine and you can keep going like, okay, game, how's the game engine working? Still good. Okay, great. So let's uh, let's do this one. And we'll do the next one here and we'll do the next one here and we'll keep going. And you just keep rolling along. But it does mean that you're not going to be able to um, do much more than basically reskinning characters, sprites. That's really what you're doing because it's like, okay, I've added some more characters. Isn't that basically just you adding a couple of character sprites? Yes. Yes, it is. Pretty much, right? Because I'm building off the same engine. If I'm if I'm pushing the engine to its limit already, yeah. next year I'm not going to be able to add any new matches or anything because the engine's already doing everything it can do. That's it. So I get it. I understand. So we'll see. The cards, though, should exist. The only reason I say so is because uh, apparently Upper Deck does the, is doing them, has the license with it. And uh, from previous uh, Being the Elite episodes, this is months ago now, 
uh, they showed a little preview where people were signing the stickers. So, yeah. like, theoretically, that product is going somewhere because Upper Deck is their licensee. Right. Now, now speaking of uh, autographs and stickers, there's a segue for you. <laughs> my latest addition to my 2020 Leaf Collection, Dave. You ready for it? I'm ready. Let's see it. This man. Oh, boy. Eric Bischoff. I like it, man. I like it. The, the paintings, the paintings, the paintings are growing on me. I'm appreciating. Yeah, they are. They, it's it's good artwork. Yeah, it makes it for a clean card. I like it. Eric Bischoff. The Eric, I, I I said I was going to be very selective about the people that I'm grabbing, and I am yep. because. But Eric Bischoff is a very important figure, especially in that Monday Night War era. Very critical figure in that time period. Yep, absolutely. So there you go. Latest edition piece, Eric Bischoff, and that Chris Jericho I showed previously. Maybe coming down the pipe as soon as next week. Ooh. Plus, I have a very special one soda. Well, actually, I think I showed it, didn't I? No. No, I didn't show you. Well, maybe I did, actually. All right, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. All right. There's a lot of cards flying. It's the important thing. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. We got a booming business over here, Dave. We got a booming business happening. This is true. It's a lot going on, man. It's a lot going on. I'm a busy man. Cool. So from that perspective, I think that's good. I don't have too much to say about what WWE is doing. I have been monitoring a little bit. I'm just not interested. I can't. I can't lie. I can't make it. Did up you watch there. SmackDown yesterday? Absolutely. Or pay not. attention to what happened. I, Edge I, is back facing Roman Reigns. I, I caught that portion of it. Like no, like I said, I pay attention to what happens. You know what's nice? Speaking of speaking of this, if you don't actually want to watch it, but you do want to follow it, uh, Bleacher Report Wrestling, their Instagram basically <laughs> just covers everything for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got, I, I've got a lot. I've got a good. Um, I've got a good grouping, of um, a good grouping of uh, different resources that have been really good of it. I will tell you, uh, Fightful is really good uh, with the wrestling coverage. They also do MMA as well, uh, nice. so they're very good with the wrestling coverage. Um, I've thought about. We'll we'll see how things evolve over time. But if, um, I, and I have no issue with it. I enjoy it. If wrestling does become a regular segment on the show, to be honest, I've been uh, I've been kicking around the idea of getting their uh, premium uh, a premium subscription uh, because they do these different uh, scoops and different things ahead of time. Because uh, because the people that they have there at Fightful are actually very good at connecting with the different organizations and talking to a lot of different people and getting a lot of the information early on. Yeah. Good old-fashioned dirt sheets. That's how it was back in the day is that it's like, how did you find that out? I asked people. People yep. I trust and people who tell me. So it turns out Vince McMahon set this man on fire. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well. It's also possible. I was going to say, your question should have been, recently? Question mark? <laughs> your question wasn't whether he did or not. Your question is, recently? True, man. It's true. Allegedly. Perfect. So you're going to get a Vince autograph? No. That that exists. They, uh, they've got it in the WWE product. His autograph is literally a V. It's the laziest thing in the world. I think the oh, Chris Jericho know. one was this, bad. Please. This, yeah, that's true. Do you, does it surprise you, though? No, no, that man doesn't care. It doesn't care at all, and it shows. Although, actually, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. Did you hear about the? Uh, they there was an interview done with one of the uh, prospective incoming WWE writers. Did you hear about this? Oh, okay. So basically, there was a lady uh, who was a comedian, um, and she was interviewed about um, about you know she was going to go in to be a WWE writer, and what happened was uh, she gave an interview. 
Uh, here, I'll pull it up here. Yes, here we go. So I'll use wrestling.com. All right. Let me grab it here, and I'll actually share it with you, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Okay. So here it is. So this is WWE writer uh, Kenneth uh, Mobley, reportedly fired after controversial podcast comments. So let me explain. So basically what happened was, uh, and this is according to Sean Ross Sapp, who's the guy who's the editor of Fightful. <laughs> A lot of the information comes from Fightful. Uh, Mobley, a stand-up comedian podcast host, was just hired to work the Raw brand earlier this month. She made headlines this week for a recent appearance on Asian Not Asian podcast, where she revealed that WWE did not require her to have any pro wrestling knowledge when they hired her. She received significant negative feedback from fans for some of her comments on Twitter and podcasts, including not knowing if the WWE champion was named Bobby Ashley or Bobby Lashley. So basically, she went on a podcast and admitted she has no idea what the hell the product is. Could mispronounce the name of the champion or wasn't sure what the name of the champion was mm-hmm. and she's going in as a writer and then wrestling fans are sitting there going this are the people you're hiring to bring in yeah this mm-hmm. but the thing is that's known unfortunately like it was known like now in fairness she didn't get fired because she doesn't know anything they knew she didn't know anything she was fired because she told people that she didn't know anything and that she was hired yeah so in reality, technically, I can't blame her for just telling the truth, but WWE then firing her, it, it kind of sucks. <laughs> like, it sucks. Um, I can understand it, but it's like, you guys really haven't resolved the issue that, like, the little respect we had for you, and by that mean negative, is like an yeah. even lower level of negative. Yep. And you wonder why we don't <sighs> respect you. Oh, my goodness. WWE, the gift that keeps on giving. Oh my God, Carlos! I tell you, man, it's just like, you know, how bottom of the barrel do we have to scrape here, right? Oh, we can get to sub base, and they let a whole bunch more people go this week. Although I didn't, these aren't any big names this time. Uh, not not completely. I will say this. So, okay, let me quickly grab the releases here, uh, because since you bring it up, I think it's, um, I can actually talk about this for two seconds because I, I have a little background on some of these releases. Um, now quickly, I'll ask you a question. All right. Um, outside of that, do, do we have anything else of interest? I have a list if you want a list. Okay, so we'll do the list. But let me quickly touch on – I'm not going to hit on all of these, but I'll quickly right. touch on a couple of these since I think it's worthwhile. Okay, so real quick, I'll talk about this. Yeah, so there's 14 releases in this most recent round. Obviously, we've had multiple rounds of releases, so it's been quite a number at this point. Okay, so I want to focus – so I'm going to – a lot of these I'm not too concerned about, to your point. Um, the Bollywood Boys, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Marina Shafir, I believe, if memory serves me. Now, this, okay, so let me give you, let me do the last couple first, and then I'll come back to the first couple here. Okay. So Marina Shafir is interesting because I believe, and I'll check right now, I believe she is married to Roderick Strong, who's still on the roster. Let's see here. I'm just checking. Yeah, spouse Roderick Strong. That's correct. Which, awkward. Yeah. Okay. And also in the same vein, uh, Killian Dane is another one here. Killian Dane. I believe I could be mistaken here. Bear with me a second. Yes, Killian Dane is married to Nikki Cross, who's also still on the roster. Awkward. Did I mention awkward? Quite the roster. It's like, hey, we're glad to have you. Your spouse is fired. But what? Yeah. Get out. Uh, so anyway, so the ones I'm going to focus on, I wanted to emphasize that because I, I had a feeling when I scanned through the names that I knew that. Tino Sabatelli has been in kind of in the system for 500 years. He looks like a million bucks. He's a former uh, professional football player, and he just never really amounted to anything anywhere. It was weird. 
Not even okay. NXT really. Uh, but he but he looked he looked the part. But for what I guess he just can't wrestle. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, anyway, and I know they he didn't was stop on Ultimate in, Warrior. True, but it, he was also part of. Um, they did an NXT like behind the scenes. Uh, years ago, they did like an NXT behind the scenes where they profiled different NXT talents and gave them stories and kind of followed them around to. Basically, it was like uh, one of their uh, WWE Network specials, just to be like, hey, these are some of the folks, blah, blah, blah. And you got to learn about a bunch of these different folks, which is good if you want to invest in them long term. But obviously, that never happened. Um, I will say, though, that some of the talents on there that were are featured um, did eventually go forward a little bit. But a lot of them kind of just were meh. Mm-hmm. Because one of them uh, that was there, a girl named Noof, is actually um, Aliyah, who is still on NXT. Now, mind you, this show originally aired years and years and years ago. But when that show started, she was 19. Right. So she's right. still like in her early mid 20s. So like she theoretically could still do something and she's got something going on at least now in NXT, but I'm like it took you this many years for you to find something for her to do? Yeah. <laughs> like what have you been doing this whole time? Exactly. It's like but I guess she's she's been on the roster. That's why WWE releases so many damn people. They got people in the roster. It's like, wait, what do you actually do here? <laughs> Is that imagine for a second? Actually, I, I don't need the screenshot. I'll, I'll pull it. Uh, I'll finish the point with the two names that I'm going to highlight. Um, okay. Quick thing. Imagine WWE. I've got a new analogy for WWE. This is my new. All one. right. All okay. Right. So you you know Office Space. I do. It's a great movie. It uh, is. Fantastic. You know, yeah. You know that uh, creepy guy with the stapler. Of course. The one who finally gets his revenge at the end. Spoiler. Uh, okay. Imagine if that guy existed, but he was in WWE. But not only is he still getting paid, he he's getting he's gotten raises. And then somebody realized, wait a minute, you why are you still here? I don't know. You keep he's paying like, me. He's like, according to this, we've given you five raises. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. He's <laughs> like, get out. Yeah. And for the, you know what? Take the stapler with you. I don't care. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But that's WWE. Yeah, it's like, did you know he was still employed here? I suspected. I wasn't sure. <laughs> he was just hanging around. What was this? Anyway, okay. So quick, uh, the first two names on this list were Fandango and Tyler Breeze. Interesting, uh, interesting pairing. I understand why, but here's the problem with this. Well, I shouldn't say problem, but here's the interesting thing about this. All right, Fandango is a guy who came out with a gimmick that never should have done anything. And really it didn't, but they promoted it initially. It sort of did. Here's what you need to know about Fandango. He had a really stupid dancer gimmick. I don't know what the deal was. And he would pronounce his name like Fandango. It was dumb. It was all stupid. All of it's stupid, but he did the best he could with it. It was shit, but he did the best he could with it. But in an early feud early on, when he went to the main roster, Fandango Beat Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. Okay. That was a highlight of his career. Yeah, for sure. Now, I think he eventually was NXT Tag Team Champions with Tyler Breeze. So I'm going to bring Tyler Breeze into this now. Okay. Tyler Breeze is one of those talents featured on that show on that behind-the-scenes special as well. Gotcha. And he was a guy who had worked at NXT, and he was about to be fired years ago. This is years ago. And he and they came up with this gimmick for him being Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze was supposed to be a supermodel. He basically was Zoolander. Okay. That was the gimmick. Yeah. And the gimmick was in this thing, he would actually come to the ring with his cell phone and have us and have it on a selfie stick. But what they did after a while, once they got better production values in NXT, is they were able to connect, I guess through Wi Fi or whatever, or Bluetooth, they were able to connect the phone to the Jumbotron so you could see him selfieing as he went to the ring. 
Woohoo. But actually, it was actually a pretty cool effect. And the thing is, Tyler Breeze can wrestle. He's actually a very good wrestler. So he he made this gimmick work because he, he went all in on it. He goes, yeah, all right, fine, I'll do it. Sure. Yeah, okay. So he did this whole thing with the selfie stick. It was stupid. But he was a Zoolander character. But in NXT, he would put on these great matches. And his last match in NXT in his first run, I think he was there to... Um, I think they brought in a couple of... Ja- I think they brought in a Japanese talent. I, I might have been Yujin Thunder Lager, who's a legend in wrestling, if memory serves. Okay. I believe that was the one that they gave him. That was actually meant as a compliment to Tyler Breeze. They say, you know what? Uh, on your last thing out before you head to the main roster, we're going we're gonna to bring in Yushin Thunderlager, who's a legend, and you guys are going to have a match. And that's going to be your last feature match in NXT. Fair enough. Which is, which is kind of a, a tip of the cap. It's a sign of respect. Hey, now his job, he's a bad guy. He's going to lose. Yushin Thunderlager's a star. But then he'll go to the main roster and do a thing. Initially in the main roster, they tried to do some stuff with him, but Vince like gave up on it immediately. This is kind of the thing that happens with him. In NXT, they'll build them up. They'll come up with this character that works, and then they'll bring up their main roster. It's like, actually, let me just strip away everything that made this character work in the first place. Oh, it failed. Uh, you know, I guess they suck. <laughs> it's like, but you took everything away that made it work, and then you made it look stupid. And now it's like the gimmick was always stupid. You have to play along for this to work. Yeah. If you don't play along, then the stupidity is obvious. Any reasonable person knows it's stupid, but we're willing to play along as long as you're willing to play along. Mm-hmm. This is how this is professional wrestling in a nutshell. Three quarters of these gimmicks are stupid. People yeah, in exactly. wrestling are stupid. They do a lot of things that don't make any sense. You're willing to suspend your disbelief as long as inside of the context of the universe that this show is taking place in, as long as everybody else buys into these rules that are being followed, we can go with whatever. Yeah. The Undertaker works because we bought it, because we were willing inside of the universe, the people inside of there bought it. Yeah. Otherwise, if somebody walks up and goes, yeah, you're the Undertaker, I'll kick your ass, and he's a foot shorter and beats him in four seconds, is he the Undertaker now? No. No. He's just a tall dude. You have to play along. If you make the Undertaker looks, I can take any character you want. And if I strip away what makes them work or I treat them like they're stupid, then people are going to realize they're stupid and yeah. they're, the perception will be broken. I can do this with legends. It's not a problem. You treat them like shit, they're going to look like shit. Mm-hmm. The reason why these legends worked is because they were treated, oh, we got to take it serious. Triple H is not the most tough guy in the world. He's a pretty tough guy. But a lot of the people in the roster could have kicked his ass. But the way this works is, oh, he's the game. He's that damn good and blah, blah, blah. He's in all these high-profile matches and he wins all these championships. You got to keep rolling with it. Otherwise, at some point, it's like, wait, aren't you the guy who carried Shawn Michaels' bag? Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. The Ultimate Warrior beat him in four and a half seconds. He sucks. No, he's been there 25 years later. Why? Because you took him seriously after. But you let everybody forget where he looked like shit because he did look like shit for quite a long time. And it wasn't because he was a bad wrestler. It's just the way you portrayed him. Yeah, exactly, right? His name is a callback to his original gimmick. Triple H is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He was one of the rare occasions where like, well, we can't throw away the name because we know exactly who, you don't look fundamentally different. We can't change your gimmick that much. It's like, okay, well, let's let's just go with Triple H instead. It sounds Firstly, cool. I prefer the uh, Jean-Paul Levesque days. Sure. Where he was the French aristocrat. Sure. Or I prefer Terra Rising. He was Terra Rising in WCW. Terrorizing. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. WCW thought this was clever. Of course. These are the same people who came up with Booty Man. 
Do we need to go back to Booty Man? <laughs> High knee, Dave. High knee. High knee, buddy. Goddamn, WCW uh, shit. <laughs> 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 okay, okay. Well, <laughs> but they paid well. They did. Okay, one more point about one more point about Tyler Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> I get distracted. I get distracted. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, one more, one more point about Tyler Breeze, and because I do want to give the these people lost their jobs. Let me give them a little respect. Let me give right, them a little respect. All right, yeah, fair, fair. Okay, Tyler Breeze deserves a little bit as well because, um, actually, when he went back to NXT as well, uh, he was always a good hand in NXT. Like he was a, he actually helped a lot of wrestlers with their training, uh, and stuff. So he was very beneficial to a lot of them. So it became a thing where, like, yeah, you're a wrestler, but he was almost like a coach on the side as well, yeah. in addition to what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So that gave him additional value for the wrestlers that were working with him extensively. Uh, now, Bailey, who has done very well for herself, actually paid a little tribute uh, to Tyler Breeze herself. Uh, because Bailey was one of the beneficiaries of it. Because she was a long-timer in NXT for a while there, too. Um, but she was very appreciative of the help. And, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's got, again, awkward and kind of insulting that a lot of your main roster talents have to acknowledge um, these people that they worked with who helped them along the way who are now unemployed, which is kind of shitty, but yeah. it is what it is. So quickly, I'll just share this here. Uh, so this is actually a tweet from Bailey earlier. Uh, so it says, Breeze spent so much time teaching me things in the ring, watching my matches, little details, character work, and later teaching me in life that I would literally write, what would Breeze do on my wrist for my matches? So that's a little tribute from Bailey to Tyler Breeze. Yeah. So Tyler Breeze, so nice... uh, yeah, Tyler Breeze got thrown in and lumped in with a lot of these guys, but a lot of these folks actually did a lot of work for a while there before mm-hmm. they got unceremoniously booted because WWE loves you. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you did or how long you were there. It's like, yeah, budget cuts, get out. Pretty much. And take the stapler with you. I just got so distracted with the WCW <laughs> booty man. <laughs> booty man. <laughs> Uh, goddamn all right list list time hit me with the list all right carl since we since we brought it up it is now time for everyone's second favorite segment after pretend scott's country running dave made a list carlos makes shit up is this going to be the is this going to be the mount rushmore of ed leslie gimmicks yes how'd you know (laughs) uh no it is not uh you know one day we'll do a list about the best uh gimmicks in wrestling Sure. Today is not that day because I didn't make that list, so I have to make it first. All right. No, Carlos. I want to go since I want to. I want to talk to you about basketball today. Ah, since I'm apparently an expert now. All right. Go on. So I want to know who your after Jordan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who goes on your who, regardless of position. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to go around Mount Rushmore this time. Okay. And I say, okay, after Jordan, mm-hmm. who are the four guys who make your starting five? The four guys who make my starting five. Okay. Okay. After Jordan. So obviously Jordan would be number one. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and then for me, I have Bill Russell, mm-hmm. Larry Bird, mm-hmm. LeBron James, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put on... Will Chamberlain as number five. Okay, so here's my question. In this case, are you picking just five players or are you picking five players who are positionally appropriate? No, I said regardless of position. So I'm oh, okay, not picking. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, so that's why that's why you have position. Bill Ru- that's why you have Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain because they basically play the same position. Yes, correct. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's right. fine. So so really hypothetically they're not really gonna actually play a game. Yeah, no, I was gonna but... say they, they couldn't. No. 
Okay, so uh, so what we're taking, so we'll include Jordan here, and we're taking the four other players basically in the starting five. Yeah. Uh, now I can I can have these players in the prime, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I. I. I that was. If it was right now, that would not be my team. No. Sure. Sure. But I'm saying like there are different eras, right? Like these some of yep. these players no, played for different sure. eras. Okay. So let's let's go with that. So fine. I got Jordan. I know he's going to shoot a lot. So, and I'm going to give it some thought. So I'll tell. I know Jordan's going to shoot a lot. So I can't be sitting there worrying about other guys who are needing a lot of shots. That might be problematic. Uh, I'm I'm going to take Steph Curry because yes, because he he likes to shoot, but he's also a very accurate shooter. So even if you give him a little less volume, he can still make some threes. Okay. So Fair for, enough. for starting five, that's that gives me that gives me range on the outside. It gives me Jordan with all his intangibles on the inside, and I think they could make that work. I'm going to take Prime Shaq in center, all right. because Prime Shaq was almost unmovable. Like you couldn't sure. move him; he sure. just shove you out of Big the way. Body there. Yeah, he just shove you out of the way. Uh, there's a, the, I don't have Shaq on the list because the rest of his basketball. There's a lot of I love Shaq. Don't get me wrong, but that, but, but I, that's why I asked you the question about Prime that I don't like. But that, but that's why I asked you about Prime Shack. Fair enough. Like Prime Shack was almost unstoppable. So are we talking? So when we're talking the Prime Shack, are we talking Lakers Shack? Are yep. we talking Orlando Magic Shack? Nope. Uh, Prime Shack is Lakers Shack at his apex. Okay. Because there was a time period there where they literally couldn't stop him, and he was in the finals and the playoffs, and it's like, yeah, I'm just I'm going to roll over you. Like, get out of the way. It doesn't matter what you want. Um, and when that Shack is because he was motivated, and they're in the middle of a three peat. So he's motivated, yep. he's playing at his apex, he's playing at his best, and he's shoving everybody out of the way. So even the hack-a-shack wasn't enough to slow him down. Like, he was still scoring. It didn't matter. Like, he was doing yep. what he needed to do. So that's a tough guy to beat. Um, and already, even with those three guys, like, I'm already liking my chances. I might take you three on five. <laughs> because I already got a lot to like, Yeah, why don't you try stopping Shaq? And while you're doing that, Jordan will screw you over, or Steph Curry will hit you from three. That's already yeah. that's already working for me. Fair enough. All right, so uh, another guy. Be so great on defense, but you know, uh, Jordan was a uh, was a was a was very good at defense. No, I just meant the three on five. That's what I meant. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so another guy that I would take here, uh, who's a great fundamental basketball player and also and also uh, understood how to shoot for for obvious reasons, uh, Kareem. The mm-hmm. skyhook is unblockable, virtually. Very few guys who could even attempt at blocking it. Um, now he is a little bit of a wafy guy, but in my situation, pff, I, I use Shaq for the physical element. Shaq is the physical element. And then, you know, uh, Kareem's skyhook opens up that section of it. Like, all of a sudden, I got these parts of the court. And even at this point, it's like, okay, who are you defending? <laughs> I dare you guys to, d- to double one of these other guys and leave Jordan open. I dare you. Please do it. That'll be funny. Or leave Steph open. Oh, yeah, they're the smallest guy. <laughs> one guy can hit threes, and the other guy can just dunk on you all day. So, anyway. So, okay. So, that gives me four. Um I'll take one more big guy uh, because, like I said, Jordan and Curry work for me uh, for the maneuverability. Um, I will take – I'll take Tim Duncan. He's fundamentally sound. It's true. You can't argue that. I'm going to change one of mine. I'm actually going to take off um, Chamberlain and replace him with uh, Dikembe Mutombo Look at for you. the defense. Look at you. Got to have somebody on the, for the for the defensive. I mean, Unless, not that the other guys can't play defense, but strictly for the defense. Well, my plan is to score ten thousand points there. Okay. If you, now, if you're going to build a proper basketball team, you're not, you're not building that because I basically have three centers. Yeah. <laughs> you're not you're not doing that. No, you're gonna. You're no, gonna, sorry, you're no, gonna sorry. Uh, Duncan is a power forward, but you. But I'd ha- I have you know Kareem and Shaq are two centers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's it's the Bill Russell. You know, it's the Bill Russell Will Chamberlain problem you originally had, but it's like yeah, you, you can't you can't. The center is a very de-emphasized position in this game. That Steph Curry, I think, could be useful in a lot of eras. 
because the shooting is the shooting mm-hmm. is always well, good. Good shooting is always going to get you, right? Yeah, shooting is good. Uh, Jordan Jordan is just a competitor. Uh, Shaq, when he's motivated, is a competitor. I just love the the physicality of Prime Shaq is gonna is gonna conquer a lot. Yeah. Uh, it'll really put you in good position. So yeah, it's it might might not be the best five, but it's a strong five. <laughs> no, for sure. So that is my five. All right, there we go. There we go. Sounds good. Okay, so I think uh, I think that'll be it for this episode. We'll keep it simple. We we're coming back on a short week, uh, so then we'll uh, we'll regroup and then we'll come back with a regular uh, seven days rest, and then we'll get ourselves back in shape. Sound good? Sounds like a plan, my friend. All right. So by the time we next speak, do not fail me. Just saying. Anyway, so uh, podcast is available: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Facebook. Apparently, some people have been catching on to the Instagram, so I might have to go back on the Instagram and start actually sending something that way. Uh, I'll, I'll get it fixed up. All right. Uh, but anyway, so that is available and as well as YouTube. So in short order, it will be put onto YouTube, uh, and then you get the full benefit of seeing our gloriously wonderful faces and seeing the, the facial expression of Dave as he realizes that failure is imminent. <laughs> if you zoom in, you just see the uh, – you ever do like those cuts where they uh, do the zoom in and then they play the Simon and Garfunkel? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yep. So that's not that's not literary foreshadowing. Yes, it is. Sounds good. So on that wonderful note, that'll be it for Dave and myself. This is episode 102, Name to be Determined, episode of the Unnecessary Announcements Podcast. We will be back in one week's time. Catch you next time.